Hey guys, this is Ebony from the Bias Podcast. Uh, little technical difficulties with this episode, but the content was just too good. We couldn't delete it. I hope you enjoy. Let us know what you think in the comments below. Bye. Bygones, but now my ambition bigger than the jeans of Saigon Oh, let me get this straight I'm wrong for shouting your dumb ass walls out on my song Don't make me get violent I come through with the long nose on my song Last person I think you should pipe on Get pipe down Never sold the Yola But as I get older I can understand how folks was... What music you listening to right now? What am I listening to right now? Yeah What am I listening to right now? I forgot, hold on I, oh, you know what? Okay, so I'm listening to 90s um, hip-hop and R&B, mainly because someone paid me to do a mix for them, nice. um, to do a workout mix, and so mm. I've just been, like, doing that. So right now, what's stuck in my head is Luxurious by No Doubt, or Gwen Stefani, whatever you want to, it's, it's, yeah, it's really No Doubt, that, but yeah. that's what's stuck in my head right now, because that's a song that I have to start um, and continue the, the, the mix. mix yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, what? What that's very interesting specific parameters yeah <laughs> so that's whenever i'm like doing a mix i'm not thinking about how much you charge else. for mixes i mean depending on length well well for this person it's a hundred for two mixes and they're both an hour okay yeah that's not bad that's not bad yeah because i'm like do i want to work out because i just want because the thing scary. is that i'm doing it in my home like i'm just like i wake up in my drawers i'm like yeah just yeah so that's yeah. yeah, but if like if you if I have to go outside my house, that's you have to add transportation. Me holding all my <laughs> shit. Right, 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 right. <laughs> that's me. I'm just like everything's no, set up. That's a lot of time. Man. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's what I'm listening to. Okay. I just wanted to get like an idea for like levels and stuff of where we are. Okay. So I think I'll probably like move. Keep like right around here, and you should. Yeah. We just won't move the mic. Okay. Well, what are you guys listening to? You just ask me. What am I listening to? <laughs> Fuck. Um, <laughs> nothing. I'm listening to. I'm kind of. Not listening to hip hop right now, just a lot of eighties pop okay. music okay. and like glam rock. I don't know why that's a like, little glam rock, not yeah. so much, but yeah. it's more like eighties synth pop. Okay. You know, those real kind of abstract just records that came out during that time okay. where it's just like a lot of synthesizers and shit like mm-hmm. that. So I mean, it's yeah, it's interesting. Cause sometimes I just need like I mean, like you were just saying, it's a bit of a interesting time for hip hop right now. Yeah. So it's yeah. like I can't really can't bang with y'all right Can't, now. yeah. So it's like I need a little bit of a break. I need a couple, you know, a couple <laughs> weeks or a month or something. I'll like come that. back later. <laughs> I'll come back when a good project is out or something. Oh, and, you know, that's how it is. I've been leaning on. I've been leaning on old music, old yeah. favorites of mine, just because it feels like nothing is, is really piquing my interest. Yeah. Um, I'm actually looking at my Spotify. I mean, like the Black. <laughs> Why Panther are you cheating? Album, because I had to. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Like, uh, like the Black Panther album. Most most of the other projects that have come out have been just kind of like good or decent yes yeah. and i don't really care about are you going else. to the gambino I, concert oh yeah for sure yeah. <laughs> I, I, man i had to i was broke for a minute off that because of that but i got my tax return do you know how much of the tickets i heard were? they were really expensive they were 150 with with the ticket master fee oh that's oh, wow. not bad no but like it could be worse it but could like be worse. it was just like it just sucked because it was just no warning yeah could, no one could budget for it and then yeah it was like i don't think anybody would expect it to be that much. No, but then it's like, I mean, you're doing mad square okay. guard. Y'all just said 150. I'm that's crazy. 
maybe it's because I've just got a, a job and yeah. now I'm like realizing I can pay for stuff now. Oh, yeah. Well, this but is my mindset is like, damn. Well, no, because I, I was coming from kind of I feel like the same mindset of you was like when you pay for general admission shows, yeah, they they shouldn't be more than thirty. Yeah, no, they like, really shouldn't. Yeah, but this I mean it's just, it's at Madison Square Garden. Okay, so That's I'm a, like, okay, New York concert ticket prices, bro. like it's really. It's just unfortunate how expensive they are because, like, coming from the Midwest and, like, mm-hmm. you can get shows so cheap, like, anywhere Man, you go. And, uh-huh. and in here, like, it's the norm to pay that much and more for tickets. Like, the Bruno Mar- Mars ticket prices were, it, like, nosebleed seats were 175 minimum. Yeah. yeah. When Kanye came, I paid 220 Okay. For, for the, the upper, yeah, 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 for the upper level, though. Yeah. In, in MSG, but, like, like you say, MSG is such a prestigious place and if you you know if you headline there it's like oh yeah we're gonna charge because people are gonna pay for it so remember what do you remember how much the radio city thing was for um gambino and yeah yeah yeah. oh my goodness it was literally like 900 dollars. that was the most expensive show i think out of all his all his shows like because i mean he has some big name artists like tribe called quest wayne i mean chance like he had a lot of people but that was like the most expensive show which i which is wild yeah because i'm like i I personally wouldn't no no knowing that he's gonna release jokes on netflix i mean it would have been a great time but it's like at the same time you're gonna drop that in a few months on netflix yeah i'll get you later whatever Okay. All right, you ready to get started? Yeah, I'm ready. So okay. I'm gonna edit this because we usually don't. We haven't edited our last two. Yeah, we did. Did we edit them? Because it feels I like they just started. But like, it feels like they just started when we just started talking. Like <laughs> right when we, you know, like I remember like, the first, yeah, the first bullshit. One, it like, just started like I was already into. It was already just bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> that was because I liked it. I like bullshitting. That's no, I do that life. too. So I'm just gonna like. Uh, I guess you could. That's how I get. That's how I get through my papers. I bullshit. Do you want like some uh some non-commercial music to just start non-commercial like yes you know what i mean just like something you can't find on spotify i I'm definitely not trying to get a, a strike i definitely forgot to send you the artist who i wanted to use for the introduction okay cool i that was my fault no you good I'm I, sorry no i forgot to even pick a song like it was just like <laughs> it was just silence at the beginning right. of it. Like, whatever. <laughs> all right so first let's just introduce our guest this week Hello. Hello. Jordan. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, this is Jordan Williams. Um, I don't know. What, what, we, what we, sort we of do, introduction do you do? Do you? Uh, we did. We did city. We, we did. Where okay. we from? We did. Where we from? Okay. And what we do? Yeah. Okay. That's fair. So and what we've done. And you better include everything. Uh, that's a lot. Yeah. I'm saying, <laughs> I'll keep it concise. But uh, originally from St. Louis, Missouri, born and raised. Um, Graduated from the University of Missouri with a bachelor's in journalism and also did grad school there, um, did higher education oh. and student affairs um, for grad school and then moved out here about two years ago, did a little bit of advertising work, um, currently working in marketing and communications at Columbia. Um, I mean, I've done video production work in the past, um, personal movie reviews, music reviews, um, uh, a television, not a television, no, like an internet talk mm-hmm. show about pop culture has done some things like that uh, also co-founded a um branding and media agency uh, with a good friend of mine um so yeah just a few of those things all right just a few just a few just a few, just a few. It's, you know it's, just yeah. like we're you know well goddamn <laughs> dabbing into a few, a few different interests just a little bit so. 
Well, you already know us. Yeah. I'm Ebony. I'm Eric. Yeah, this is a Bios podcast. Thank you, Jordan, for joining us. Thank this you week. for having me. I appreciate that. I have well, to get you on to the Black yeah. Panther stuff. Yo, Black Panther talk. Yeah. Facts. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's literally what our topic is going to be about. Um, we're going to pretty much cover, like, not the basics of Black Panther, but just the idea of where media entertainment fits into the, the film, um, what Marvel is doing, and how we can see that's being relative for everything that's going on in pop culture and society. Um, this man just took out his damn camera. Yo, it's a moment. It's fine because my camera is over there. It's too. a moment that has but, to be captured. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. But we also media and tech, but the discretion, the discretion was good. It was there. I'm like trying to do this nice and slow, like, jeez, yeah. My bad. There was an attempt. Yeah, but my bad. Yeah, we're just talking about Black Panther right now. Where do you want to start with? Because we, spe- I feel like we got like a lot of so things. Kinda, yeah, we have a lot of content to talk about as far as what Black Panther's done for the culture. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Can we start? Let's start like let's do backwards first. Let's do like that first that that last conversation we had about the scientists, and then work oh. our way to the more serious kind of actual analyzation. So maybe we start off kind of with the jokes and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. So well, before we started, before I press record, I asked Jordan like. Who do you think would win in a debate, which is um, Stark, Tony Stark, David Banner, or Shuri? Um, and then Eric and Jordan went on this huge spiel <laughs> of like, you know, those are, it's basically like a caliber type of like conversation where it's like, nah, they're in different realms. So y'all can take that, y'all can take that away. <laughs> yeah, y'all yeah, y'all got it. It's a, I mean, it's a great question that hopefully we can actually see play out mm-hmm. in the movies upcoming. You know, Infinity War is coming really soon. So, I imagine there will be an opportunity for Shuri, Banner, and Stark to have a conversation and just kind of geek out about science. But I mean, we gotta, we have to say sure, Shuri. Like she, she's 16 years old. It's not even. It, it was so crazy because to me, I was like, it's like almost not even close. It's really not. She's responsible for an entire nation. Like let's keep that in perspective. Mm-hmm. Tony Stark. I mean, movie Tony Stark isn't, but comic book Tony Stark is an alcoholic. So oh, absolutely. Off top is already you're like you're way too irresponsible. Yeah, he's way know. too irresponsible. I mean, he has a lot of home problems some parent, oh, yeah. parental issues you know those things are <laughs> there problems. and yeah they kind of yeah, exactly he's got a lot of problems and they affect his ability to sometimes be rational and so i think shuri is as a 16 year old for her to be responsible for an entire nation which has the most advanced technology in the history of human science or engineering or whatever it may be like that's a big responsibility and the fact that she's so versatile with experience with you know science and and weapon tech and uh, medicine, you know, all these different things like Banner, Stark, they have their specialties that they're mm-hmm. good for, but but Shuri, she, she's kind of a master at everything, and I think that that gives her the leg up easily. And she's, I feel like, again, like we've kind of said, but like the least troubled and most free-minded of all of them, because we definitely, I mean, David Banner has had the, like, the world try to murder him yeah. a bunch of times. Yeah, exactly. So he doesn't trust any, like, it's hard Literally. to focus on science when everyone's like, you should probably be dead. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Then like, the show to his house with like um, MKs and AKs. I mean, if you remember that really bad 2003 movie, like they pulled up on him, yeah, right, like yeah. at his house, like they were, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they just pull up, you like you just chilling, and then you have to Hulk out because niggas just just pulled up so, to your crib. Exactly. Like, and how like, am I gonna study like this this nuclear stuff like when when I'm trying to dodge bullets? He spent the entire movie running. Yeah. That was the, the, the whole premise. That was the movie. plot of the movie that he was on the run. So it just he did as science a, for about ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. just as a scientist who also had some daddy 
issues. I'm just like, I don't, oh yeah, I don't really see. Yeah, I don't really see like how you're able to fully comprehend and be like a rational thinker when you just have so much pressure. So sure, like you say, it's kind of the most pure, most well-rounded, and just like she has her head on straight, and she has a great structure around her to stay that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I, they they like give her that freedom to just build and create. And I just realized that uh, David Banner's dad in that movie was Nick Nolte. It was Nick. Yeah. Nolte. So like he oh, he super loses. Yeah. All right. That's all I wanted to just trash Nick Nolte. Insane. Insane Nick Nolte. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. He just tried to murder. <laughs> I mean, he played. He basically played himself in the movie. I was just because about to he was say, a maniac, like, so it just seemed like a crazy, like a lunatic the whole movie. <laughs> Great casting, you know. I give him that. Like he played himself, so it was like from that perspective, he was probably the best part of that garbage movie. Oh my uh, god! Because he immediately the. Do you remember that scene with the great, the security guard walks up on him? I do. Like, I do. And I also remember the the Hulk dogs that they had in the movie. There were like pitbulls that turned into like. I'm gonna have to rewatch this movie. I mean, like, I want to say don't because yeah. it's terrible, but like it's. It's it's kind of getting to that point where it's so aged and like it's so terrible. And, and this is a 2003 movie. Yeah, oh, yes. this was before comic book movies were really like trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah this was like we're just gonna kind of see. Well, I I also think the big problem was that the 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 licenses and rights to the movies were in the hands of other studios mm-hmm. who you know. I mean, to the credit of Marvel now, they didn't have people who were familiar with the source material and the characters to, like, really do justice by them. So it was just a weird time. We got a lot of bad movies during that time. Oh, yeah. It's, it was what happens when you let people who don't know, like, comic books who make what they feel like a comic book movie. So they did, like, cheesy shit. Like, the, yeah. like the, the random comic book transitions. Yeah. Like, don't... Just terrible editing. Yeah, it's don't, like, don't no, do that. That's, no. It's still a movie. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. No, Everything mean. shouldn't be adapted. Like, you still have to yeah. create a cohesive... It's not a one-to-one. That actually is like a really good segue to like our next topic. Like, how do you feel Marvel has changed over the years as far as like Black Panther specifically? Like, yeah, yeah, like, because I know like going from what Tobey Maguire's Spider Man and now this, and then people are saying, oh, like, Black Panther's our new king now, like, kind of just screw Tony Stark, like, leave him over there, like, leave <laughs> Iron Man back in, like, 2010. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like... I mean, it's good timing, too, because he's, he's, like, done, too. He's pretty yeah, proper, yeah. Yeah, that he is done, actually. Um, sorry, that was very negative. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not, it's fine. I mean, he's not dying. We're not gonna kill uh, Robert Downey Jr. Nah, nah, <laughs> nah, nah, nah. It's probably just, like, we're not gonna keep paying him $50 million per movie. Yeah. It's probably the bigger conversation that we just can't afford Robert Downey Jr. Jr. So, but I don't know the transition from Marvel. I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty fascinating story, just where they started, you know, to where they came in the nineties, you know, they sold off a lot of their character rights because they were in a state of bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. So they basically, you know, in, a, in an effort to kind of save, you know, some of their, 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 their money um, or whatever it may be, they sold off the characters. We had some studios, studios make some bad movies, had a few good ones here and there, some of the Spider-Man movies, some of the X-Men movies. Uh, but eventually, um, Kevin Feige, who's kind of the head producer at Marvel, he decided, like, hey, you know, let's let's create our own studio. Let's make these movies ourselves. So they took out a $500 million loan um, to fund the first Iron Man and the first Incredible Hulk that came out in 2008. Wow, I and, didn't know that. And basically, they banked, that they banked their future success on those two movies. And Which is wild, because that Hulk didn't even do good. It didn't. It didn't. <laughs> like, it, it, it basically, it, it kind of played out evenly. They expected Hulk to be the hit, yeah. but it ended up being Iron Man, yeah. which they didn't predict. But they were like, you know, hey, these are the characters we have. This is what we'll make. Iron Man became a huge hit. Um, you know, Hulk, it was okay, but that just kind of 
took off from there and it paid off and they continued to introduce characters. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, it was a huge risk. And I think like 2008 in general was the big shift for comic book movies because also in that summer you had The Dark Knight come out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I wow. think between Iron Man and The Dark Knight, that's what basically made Hollywood wake up and see like, oh, this is what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. Like these actually, these are very bankable properties that can make a lot of money, which is, you know, ultimately what matters in Hollywood. And then, you know, from there we have so many movies now, obviously it's like six, seven, eight movies that come out a year. Yeah, you know? just superhero movies. Yeah, just superhero movies, but only, you know, a couple really stick and have mm-hmm. a huge, huge impact. You know, you had Wonder Woman last year and obviously mm-hmm. Black Panther so far this year, which was a movie that was supposed to be made in the 90s. But it was in development hell for a really long time. Um, Wesley Snipes wanted to make it. Um, but oh, well, this one, like, he got caught up with all of his, like, bills and taxes. Well, that came a little bit later. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was, <laughs> okay. he was still in, a, in his prime a little bit. But he did have, like, a lot of run-ins with police. He had mm-hmm. a lot of celebrity kind of, you know, he had a big spotlight on him because he was getting... Getting in some trouble. And and still, isn't this around the time I would assume of like the Blade movie? So it was right around yeah. the same time. Like, because people mess with the first one, but everything yeah. after that is like, maybe don't give Wesley Snipes any I more think movies. after Trinity, I was like, yeah. I'm done. Oh, that was, I'm yeah. Done. It, that was <laughs> if you go back and watch the first one, I like, I can't believe you really like the first one that much. Yeah, I mean, it's not like the best the first one. It's, it's not a, that. It's a product of its time. It's yeah, like, I, it, for sure. I'll leave it at like that. It yeah. worked for 1998. You know, yeah. it didn't age as well as it could Not have, yet. but no. you know, it's still kind of that cult classic status. Mm-hmm. It was Wesley Snipes' kind of last big hurrah. That was towards the end of his yeah. real prominence as a leading black man in Hollywood. But mm-hmm. yeah, he initially, you know, really tried hard to get the movie made. Um, it didn't work out. Obviously, comic book movies they just weren't as popular then. You yeah. Know? So here we are, 20 plus years later. They're at the height of their popularity. Um, and Marvel, you know, they're in a position to take chances and, and make movies that probably, you know, 20 years ago just wouldn't have done as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, like stuff like, like Logan. For exactly. Like they, I feel like they would have never tried to take a risk on something and make a, a Logan type movie. Exactly. And it was, you know, Logan's also rated R, you know, yeah. right? at a certain time, a movie like that, it would have made an OK amount of money. But, you know, here it is making a lot of money right. and getting Oscar recognition as well. So these studios are just in a position to take more risks, you know, and, and, and put in more of their resources and funds to actually make these like big properties now. So it's been a really interesting transition to just kind of see how they've propelled and there's been an upward trend for superhero movies. So the big question is like, how long does it last? That was my next thing because I'm like, this can't be like just how movies are forever because like one, we're going to run the superheroes that people care about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And two, like we've already hit that point. Like I feel like a couple years ago, as far as like stories are concerned, where you're like, they're just getting to be just kind of similar stories and just sure. and just you know swapping out characters and stuff like that and in my yeah, absolutely but i honestly i think black panther won like at least with the storyline because i noticed that a lot of my friends um who are caucasian did not understand the storyline at all they're like what like i don't understand what the um the significance was between homage for african-americans and the people that come from africa i'm like that means a lot i said from the first second when they introduced that topic, yeah. going all the way to Wakanda, I'm like, this is how I feel as an African-American um, woman where I don't know where my like family is from. Right. You, so, yeah, yeah. so I understand like with Black Panther, they definitely touch base on that and they provide like a sense of culture and society for people of color, mm-hmm. um, knowing and understanding that movies, especially superhero movies, can have that concept and, yeah. and it can be relatable. Yeah, and I think that actually that's kind of what makes not Black most Panther. superhero um, superhero movies don't do that. 
No. They really don't. Right. But I think that that's like, like what makes it interesting, just actually that addition, because on, on its surface, like if you if you look at it in a vacuum and you remove kind of the, the, the social aspect that like we all are kind of talking about and dissecting, yeah. it's still like a very uh, like cookie cutter superhero movie. Right? Sure. Because like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's you know, we see we see a rise and a fall and then a rise again. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think, you know, it, it's interesting because... Black Panther is one of those movies that, as a person, a non-person of color, you're if you're just going to see a really good superhero movie, you could still get that experience from Black Panther. Yeah. You don't necessarily need to be in tune with some of the social um, topics or identity um, topics that are explored in the movie. Like You could still walk away and say, like, oh, I just had a really good time watching Black Panther. But what I think it did so well, you know, from Ryan Coogler and the writers of the movie, mm-hmm. they... They really, they took, you know, really fine care of just how to how to put in certain topics um, that are relevant to, to people of color, especially um, black and African people. Um, but they, they, they found a way to put it in that it didn't feel preachy. It just felt like naturally a part of the story. Yeah. Like the characters were very much um, representations of things that we deal with. You, you know, you talk about fatherhood and you talk about identity and not knowing where you come from. Mm-hmm. The idea of being an African-American versus people that are traditionally from Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then also the big theme of the movie, one of the, I think, mo- most profound themes of the movie is the fact that there's this advanced nation that has not provided any resources to the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, they spent their entire... They spent Sounds their familiar. entire... Yeah, it does, right? They, they spent their entire history... Um, you know, really kind of reaping the benefits of this advanced technology, and they're wealthy, you know, they're well off, they're advanced, um, but the rest of the world has kind of suffered, and I think, you know, as you see throughout the movie, you know, spoiler alert, there's a big, there's a big change in ideology that happens, you know, it it goes from one element of, like, traditionalism, and then, you know, it kind of shifts to, we need to do something about this, and we actually need to kind of change what our idea of, you know, what we should be to the world is. Yeah. 100%, especially adding on to that, like, that, the, the way they kind of cleverly critique colonialism from two different perspectives mm-hmm. within, yeah. like, like, having Wakanda be, like, you know, not wanting to, to help the world and then having Killmonger be someone who is driven, like, who acts purely like a, a person who colonizes. He acts exactly like you, you come in, you burn stuff, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You burn stuff, you try to usurp power and, and all and the whole nine. So, like, I, I thought that was incredibly well done and super hard to actually produce, but I guess now is kind of talking about less the, maybe, like, the, the social impact and integration uh, and more of yeah. how, like, the the movie came to be and, and, and kind of you know the stuff we talked about about how like it all comes together. Well, I feel like with that it kind of you kind of just have to look at what um, companies are doing mm-hmm. um, after the movie came out. So obviously one of the big um, I want to say ideas or themes of the movie was women in tech, uh, and people really took that to heart, mm-hmm. um, especially like people like Disney, um, which I found out because you like did. <laughs> That check quick, on me, quick, like quick little Google search. Yeah, yeah, love Google. Uh, just Google it. <laughs> nah, but um, they didn't. They only um gave money to the Boys and Girls Club, right? Yeah, they put a million up for the Boys and Girls Club in in Oakland, I think. In Oakland, so a few cities. So. Was it in okay? A, a few, few cities. cities. So okay. it, the 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 one million that they um, donated to the Boys and Girls Club was to expand STEM programming yep. within their organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but they targeted twelve cities three of which are Oakland, Baltimore, and New Orleans. And 
historically we know that those are heavily yeah. black populated cities. Exactly. Like, yeah. you know, so it's a very I think it's an intentional it's an intentional move from that standpoint. I'm not sure what the other cities are, the the, the remaining uh, nine cities. But um, it is interesting. I think one of the things that's um, that that came out of the the lead up to the movie is that you know Disney is Disney, but they they positioned the movie as a movement. It it yeah. it, 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 it was always going to be a big deal. I think just from audiences. Yeah, I was gonna say like it felt like we were gonna. I felt like we were gonna be that kind of grassroots kind of thing for me, mm-hmm. and I wasn't ready for Disney to. Uh, Exactly. To take the approach. That yeah, yeah. Had. No, Disney absolutely, you know, was a catalyst in doing that for good and for bad reasons. I mean, you know, there's an argument on social media like, hey, Black Panther is just a movie about a black superhero. And here we are making a big deal out of a movie that's going to make a lot of money for white movie filmmakers. Exactly. Which, you know, there's some validity to that. I don't completely disagree um, but Disney absolutely spent a lot of time positioning the movie as a movement. There, there was a lot of uh, strategic things that I think that they did on their end to do that. Obviously, releasing the movie during Black History Month. Yep. You know, some of the viral campaigns that happened. They put a lot of marketing dollars into the movie um, that you wouldn't traditionally see in other superhero movies. I think they, I think they realized what they had on their hand, mm-hmm. um, and they realized that this has been a you know a big anticipated movie, not just by you know black audiences, but you know also by comic book fans. Mm-hmm. This has been a movie that's been anticipated right. for more than 20 years. So they knew that they had something uh, pretty, pretty significant on the hand. And I think from that perspective, that's why they shifted, um, shifted so many of their resources into promoting the movie so big time. Yeah. It, I'm like looking more into it right now. And it's saying that the film um, brought in $700 million mm-hmm. worldwide. It was gross. It capped a billion. The, yeah, no, this is like um, February. But yeah, I'm just yeah. looking at what yeah. Disney did and they just really just... They just gave them 3D printers. For the, the STEM program? Yeah, 3D for... printers and robotics and video production. I, I mean, I mean that's like, what happens. A million in STEM ain't It's not much. a lot. Yeah. Like, I mean, kudos to you, obviously, for, for... It's one of those... It's it's like a weird, like, damned if you do, damned if you don't thing. Like, obviously, thank you for, like, the million dollars thing, but, like, we know you just made a billion. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you also have to make that money a significant... You have to make that stretch among... 12 different cities yeah. in multiple different exactly. locations, yeah. you know, so we don't know what that breakdown looks like per city, per boys and girls club in each city. Like, we don't oh, yeah, really know. More what, than one yeah, it's more than one in each city, so who who yeah. gets it, what 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 uh, neighborhood mm-hmm. or area within those city gets it, mm-hmm. are, are, the, are the clubs mostly populated by children of color mm-hmm. or women? What's the breakdown, you know? Exactly. So it would be interesting to see a deeper dive into, like, what that looks like, so. Also, like, is this something that is like a one-time thing? Because they said in that article that is a one-time thing that they're donating that money. But I'm more of a person that wants to see consistency and like people to continue to do that. Sure. Like, yeah, is it just a trend or like? Especially with be- the ending of the movie, because the end it's so it's, it it does feel a little kind of not right in the, in a sense to like have the ending of the movie be what it is mm-hmm. and then them to just do like a one-time thing. Yeah. Because at the end of the movie, they start a program that they're going to continue. Yeah. And it's like they have the resources and they're doing it. So like, it's weird that you wrote it and then you were like, nah, Absolutely. like we're not going to actually do that. You know what I mean? But yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's the thing that, you know, again, this is a great moment in Hollywood mm-hmm. nonetheless, but the question really is, you know, from, from, from the social implications, from just, you know, the, the, the implications of representation and, and all of those things, like, will this just be a moment? Because it is such, it's such an anomaly of like what's happened with the movie 
Um, I mean, I know a lot of people are asking that question, like, okay, well, you know, what happens on a continuing basis? Like, does this sustain itself? Like, will there be, you know, more representation in Hollywood behind the camera, in mm-hmm. front of the camera? Yep. Um, all of those questions are being asked. Will studios now put in more money for these these types of stories and movies? The the, the, the idea was always from the Hollywood perspective that, you know, black movies, they can't travel. They can't do well overseas. Yep. Yep. They won't make money in these international markets. Obviously not true. The movie yep. just came out in China this past week and it already made about 60 or 70 million in mm-hmm. China, which is like the second biggest market for Hollywood right yeah. now. So it, 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 it you know, it kind of destroyed that whole mode of thinking. But again, you know, does it continue? Do we see more projects like this? And then even even going into the communities and like the, you know, the, the, the programs that Disney is donated towards for the Boys and Girls Club. All right, it's a one-time thing, you know, but what is that? Also, you know, I think the really interesting thing is is if you donate this money, are are there resources provided to advise yeah. the clubs and organizations on, yeah. on how to spend this money and how to make it as effective as possible for as many exactly. children as possible? Because if you just give somebody that much money who's never had that budget, budget before, before yeah, yeah. they're like, hey, you're going to have no idea how to spend this money. Yeah. You know, so what's what's the resource management of that look like? You know, those are the details that I think would be really helpful. And maybe, you know, if we had that level of detail put out to the public, maybe other organizations could, like, follow suit mm-hmm. and we could see more long-term effects. Yeah. Do I, you, I actually have a question for y'all. Do you think that um, we'll see, because, I mean, we haven't gotten into it exactly, but one of the things that Black Panther did well was uh, just kind of, from a production standpoint, was kind of uh, stepping back and just letting black creators at, like we talked about at every level, handle, um, you know, like their respective mediums for the movie. Mm-hmm. Do you think that like Hollywood is going to follow suit or are they going to learn the wrong thing? Because like, I remember there was a, an analogy is like, I remember when Deadpool came out, we were all really worried that Hollywood was just going to start making rated R superhero mm-hmm. movies just cause and not like, because it's true to the character. Right, right. So I'm like, do you think that they're going to just start making black stuff just to make black stuff, or are they going to go, like, the right way about it, do you think? I think going back to the conversation we had before, mm-hmm. um, where if we let um, people from that culture, like, kind of just have a hold of it, mm-hmm. then it will be fine. Um, because seeing how with the Lexus um, Super Bowl commercial that you were talking about, and also, like, with Walton Isaacson, marketing agency <laughs> um and just filming um in atlanta mm-hmm. um in tyler perry's studio right i think alone should show people that when you give people like if you give the people where the culture is coming from like their their right of way of like having control of every aspect of the production like before and after pre and post it will be it'll be a success absolutely yeah i think it's it's a it's a great question because we we haven't seen probably a, a massive success to this level for a black film, but there have there have been moments before, mm-hmm. you know, that have you know kind of breaking the mold of what's traditionally been viewed um, as a market that makes a certain amount of dollars, but it can't cross over and, and make those big dollars. But you you had Girls Trip this mm-hmm. past summer, you had Get Out yeah. last year, and Hidden Figures, and Hidden well. Figures yeah. as well, the, and Moonlight. Mm-hmm. You know, Moonlight made four times its budget. A small indie film with a limited release. Mm-hmm. Girls Trip was the biggest comedy of the summer. Um, you know, Get Out was the biggest horror movie basically of the year. So all of these genres, you know, are now being impacted by black creators, you know, behind and in front of the camera. And it's because, you know, certain studios or certain studio heads are they're having the faith to say, like, yeah, this is possible, this is achievable, this could be a hit if we trust, you know, and have faith into these 
these uh, creators. And so mm-hmm. I think we're slowly getting there. Um, I, I think ultimately the idea is that we don't even have to talk about it as like groundbreaking. Ultimately, the, the goal should be is that it's normal, exactly. that we get it and we really don't have to think about it. But there has to be a lot of work that comes before that in mm-hmm. order for that to happen. Yeah. We have to still you know, consciously challenge these studios and executive heads to say like, hey, we want to see more of these movies. Here's our cash. This is showing you that we want to see it because at the end of the day, the the color that Hollywood respects is green. That's, yeah. that's what it is at Ooh, the end of the day. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't really matter, you know, what, 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 you know, representation looks like in films for them. That's not what they're thinking about. You know, you could have a, a Muslim American be represented in a film and if it makes a lot of money, then there's... They yeah. say it works, you know, Ooh, so right. that's that's what it comes down to. So I think ultimately the big challenge is like, are they going to continue to do the work to make this as normal as possible for for, for all demographics, LGBTQ, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, people of color from all sorts of backgrounds, you know, just everything like it needs to be all inclusive. Like I think what Ava DuVernay did with The Wrinkle in Time, it, it feels seamless. I saw the movie. Um, oh, ready? God yeah, damn. yeah, I saw the you movie. Um, but she, you know, <laughs> I, I gotta be up on the movies. That's, that's kind of my thing. But I saw the movie and it felt seamless. Like she really injected, you know, a lot of identities into the movie. But it didn't feel like it was uh, an intentional thing. It felt normal because that's that's what the makeup of the world looks like. Mm-hmm. You have so many different cultures and rep, you know, represented people in, in all facets of life. You know, at a certain point, again, I think it should just feel normal and it shouldn't feel like a intentional act all the time. That's true. And and I think that I think that it's like you said, it's going to be a hard transition because right now we're so fascinated by it that that's kind of even why we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why yeah. we gathered all this information and, and are kind of ready to break down uh, the the fact that this this isn't the norm and that, you know, this wasn't seamless or, or well, not necessarily that it wasn't mm-hmm. seamless, but that. This isn't the, the standard. So we had a couple notes of like kind of all the different ways in which Black Panther has uh has essentially given control to the creators on every level. So we got like, I mean, I guess the most prominent one, I mean, that everyone understands is just Ryan Coogler, cast and crew, mm-hmm. all black, everything. And then as we, you know, as we got closer to the movie, we found out Donald and Stephen Glover helped sharpen up some of the jokes mm-hmm. on him. Then the black I think the I think to me the most interesting thing was the Black Panther album and the Lex the Alexa Super Bowl ad. Very yeah, for sure. Yeah. Pieces. I want to hear. Yeah, I want to hear y'all thoughts on because I I still can't believe that they really just let Kendrick Lamar have this album. Like they let him do whatever. And then Yo. when you listen to some of the lyrics, you're like, this is tied to Disney. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Forever. It's it's an it's it's an extension of Disney. I, I was very surprised when I listened to the album. I'm like, wow, there's full explicit content. It's Dude. nothing held back. No. There's probably one song that doesn't have cuss words just yeah. because of like. Oh, we want to use this song to market the movie. Yeah, I think all it's, the stars. I think it's all the stars. Yeah. It doesn't really have explicit content, but everything yeah. else, full Kendrick, you know, full yeah. hip hop. Paramedic is just too LA gang, like an LA gang oh, yeah. just ra- you know, <laughs> just just banging full on. Just putting it out there, Disney does this with all of their movies where they feel like it needs to have a social impact because they definitely did this. Yes, they definitely did this with um the fucking um princess movie, ah, uh, Princess and the Frog. Oh, they, oh, did they, they, do, like, yes, uh, they do like a Louisiana bounce track type thing? No, they do Louisiana bounce <laughs> I, I, I think I know what you're talking about. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay, so <laughs> they actually had Neo um, do a song for the end credits of that of the movie, and no one ever noticed it because they never looked up the song, but it's, mm. it's actually a really nice song, and I noticed that Disney's been doing a trend recently, I know, like, at least recently, where they would have a black artist or like someone that pertains to the topic of the movie and do the tracks or do the soundtrack for the movie. For sure. 
Mm-hmm. And this one, it's I think it's a lot more prominent because Kendrick Lamar did it. And yeah. it's people like us that are like, they know for a fact they're going to see the movie. And they're like, yo, we already listened to this artist. We already know the prominence and how this person is and relates to black culture. So yeah. it was it's honestly a win-win for them. Yeah. They knew what they were doing. But like, I think it's, <laughs> you know, I think the thing is, is it makes sense. But it also, if, if, if I found out that this was a failed project, that they wanted to do this and then they backed away at the last minute, I would also understand. Because mm-hmm. I get it. Because there's companies act a, a lot out of fear. And I mean, I guess Disney is just big enough where they like who, like you know, what do they? They own everything at this point. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) I mean, every movie, every product has a target demographic. Mm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they Mm. absolutely understand what the target demographic of Black Panther would be, but they also understood like, oh well, this this has a target demographic that we can specifically cater all of our resources and money to. But they also understood that this could be a global, you know, sort of um, movie that that impacts a lot of different people because it does have those underlying themes that a lot of different types of people can relate to. You know, I think there's things to pick up. But yeah, Disney has been absolutely intentional with with, you know, everything from, from start to finish with picking Ryan Coogler, with picking, you know, Ruth Carter and Rachel Morrison. You know, Rachel Morrison did the cinematography for this movie. She also did it for Mudbound. Okay. You know, Ruthie Carter is a very well-respected and well-known costume designer in the industry. Um, obviously, we talked about Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't like to talk about him as much, yeah. but he is a yeah. black filmmaker, a prominent black filmmaker, the wealthiest Mm-hmm. Of, of them all, he's the only one black people. Yeah, he's the only yeah. one that owns his own movie studio. It's like 500 acres in in Atlanta that he just you know. Bought. I feel like he's part of the reason. I don't think we kind of want to give him credit, but like he's part of the reason why like I feel like Atlanta is seen as black Hollywood. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah. Absolutely, he is a part of that reason. Yes, I mean, he, he really kind of ushered in that movement a lot, you know. And now we see a lot of other studios following suit. Marvel films all of their movies basically in Atlanta now. I had no idea. They filmed pretty much all of their movies in Atlanta. Like, even the Avengers movies, even the Captain Americas, the Guardians of the Galaxies are filmed in Atlanta. And Black Panther, when they were filming, employed 3,000 people in Atlanta to be a part of the movie. Well, goddamn. So what it's doing for the economy, again, intentional. You know, from Disney's perspective, like... Of course, yeah, they film all of their other movies in Atlanta. I think there's, you know, a big incentive with, like, tax rebates. I was just about like to say, they almost certainly got a tax credit. I think that's what it is. You know, they get really, really good tax uh, cuts and rebates from, from Atlanta and the state of Georgia in general. But, you know, to specifically say, like, yeah, we're going to film probably at least, like, 40% of the movie in Atlanta. That's employing a lot of people, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also just, it's pretty accessible for a lot of folks that are, traveling or whatever it may be but yeah disney they, yeah. they know what they're doing i mean that's why they practically are the empire and own everything now Dude, it's we just, didn't even touch on the score yeah. ludwig did the score ludwig, yeah uh, i don't know how to say his last name yeah ludwig ludwig garrison or whatever. yeah something he, like that he was, really, uh, really incredible he, um, he was talking about that he if you if you don't know him he's i think he did creed too he's yeah, worked yeah. with Ryan for like 10 years yeah i didn't even know that i only knew him from gambino yeah yeah exactly he's done some i mean he traveled to africa like he, yeah, he took I was a, gonna say, I'm like, that's he, that's dedication. Yeah, man. he really, he took his own little kind of pilgrimage to Africa to really understand like what this would sound like, and he spent, I think, a couple months there. And you know, from there, Ryan trusted him, you know, to put together a really nice score. I really enjoyed that that piece of the movie too. But yeah, all of these things were were super intentional. And, and Ryan Coogler to make, I mean, just to to come from the perspective of what he's coming from to like make a very small movie with Fruitville, 
mm-hmm. then to take on a franchise that everybody pretty much thought was dead with mm-hmm. Rocky and breathe new life into yep. it. Dude. And now he gets the most money of any director for a solo superhero movie for Marvel. You know, I mean, that's all happened in about seven years, probably. Yeah. For him, so. yeah. It's a really, it's a really fascinating. Three years not missed. That's ridiculous. No, yeah. no, wild. No, and he can pretty much at this point can probably direct whatever he, he wants, wants to. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm going. I'm, I'm controversial, but him over Tarantino. But hey. That's just because mm-hmm. you know Tarantino got some bad people stuff going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> not that's the, a, not the most, not the most socially responsible. Oh no, he you know his accent bothers me so much. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, whatever. We're we're getting off topic. It's okay. Um, um go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, what? How can young creators like ourselves and like our friends and peers like learn from something that Disney and Marvel did in this case? Um, Ryan Coogler and just the whole like um, cast and crew of Black Panther and also the we even talk about the Lexus ad that much but like just in general like how can like we as like young creators like learn from this movie um, and like what they're trying to do sure I mean I think I think ultimately well to tie in the Lexus ad with just all the other elements of kind of Black creators and how they've uh, impacted this movie I think ultimately we just need to for ourselves not really for anyone else but for ourselves just do good work at the end of the day i was just gonna say i think that that was my main takeaway was just doing good work and i think it's just like hire the best people you feel like for the you know for the job because it, it would like they didn't just go get any black person they right, got, right you know what i mean they got all the black people who were the best at what they could do absolutely like they gathered a real life dream team to like make this content work mm-hmm. yeah so I yeah think that's important and i think you know i think doing the good work you know for yourself and for whatever it is that you're passionate about i think it's it's we're, we're in a time where you know we have so many re- resources on our own to where we can we're, we're capable of doing so many things we can film movies on our iphone you know we can we can record things on our own whatever it may be if you just put in, you know, that passion that you would already put into a project, I think ultimately you will get recognition. Obviously, there's, you know, huger issues and implications from a business and Hollywood perspective of, you know, are they providing opportunities to the talented people, right. which is another conversation because they're not fully aware yeah. of mm-hmm. what that looks like right. and they don't try their best to do that. But I think we're at a point where we are seeing the scale tip in favor of just really good creators in, in all areas. And eventually, you know, people will get their opportunity to, to be at the forefront of $5 million Super Bowl ads. We'll, we'll see people be at the forefront of $200 million movies in Hollywood. We'll see people producing, you know, huge albums and, and doing all these incredible things. Um, you know, but it, it, it's always going to be a tough thing to kind of navigate in a system that was never created for us in a system where mostly white men are in charge of the decision-making um, but it's so pervasive at this point that they can they can't continue to ignore our voices when we speak up and say like we want more stories that of people that look like us we want more people at the forefront that look like us because we are that talented and I mean most of the time just to be frank we're more talented than the people who are doing the work now holy and so. and we've been and I think the thing is too is like now we're getting back to that point where we're dismantling like you were talking about earlier that myth of just like those things not selling mm-hmm. so like where it's to the point where oh it's selling you can't exactly you can't it's ignore selling. it from just like just a basic social cultural level where like we just have this impact and, and like pulse on the culture so what we say goes 
And going further than that, like you can't even ignore it just from a financial level because at a certain point, I think what's going to end up happening is they have to they're going to have to make a conscious studios and, and creators alike are going to have to make a conscious decision to try to make similar projects, not not like obviously Black Panther, but like things that employ like a, a diverse cast of good creators. Because if you don't, then the next studio just will, and they're just going to get out ahead of you. Mm-hmm. So it's like. You either do this now and, and get out in front of it or just get left behind and, and lose a job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, and I really wanted to say this to one more piece to that question. I think it's a great question. Something else that is really important. And I saw a lot of people on social media. They they reference the movie and say, like, it's just a movie. Chill out. Mm-hmm. It's just a comic book movie. Nobody's looking at this as a movement. I would very much disagree with that in, mm-hmm. the, in the essence that in order for a lot of marginalized people to feel capable to even do things like this we really have to like look towards the the kids you know we really have to look at the younger generations the because and they're not they don't have these like preconceived notions of stuff exactly yet. they're still super impressionable and if we put these representations of strong powerful capable characters um in these positions when they see that as a child that can have a profound impact as they grow up you yeah know? if you see somebody doing something that you want to do you can believe in yourself that you want to do it if you never had that if you never had any exposure to to whatever it is like you might not always think that it's possible you know if you don't see somebody in your circle or somebody near you doing something that you want to do you might not grow up thinking that you can even achieve that or, or know that it's a possibility you know you know what i mean so i think it's really important with what you know a lot of celebrities and other black creators did with this movie they really looked to the kids and say like we're gonna take 400 kids to go see this movie lupita nyango i'm gonna go back to my country my home country in africa i'm gonna take you know a bunch of school children to see this all over america you see kind of the grassroots campaign of like from every level too like yeah. from, from like your everyday regular people so it was like a, a bunch of rappers they didn't even publicize it absolutely like, take yeah like michael b jordan did it you know it, it, i mean it, 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 and it started and it started from harlem boys and girls club like oh, yeah. the guy who created the black panther challenge just started here yeah. he said i want to take X amount of kids to see the movie. He wanted to raise $10,000. He raised 45000 in three days. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. When you take kids to see themselves represented in this way, in any facet, you'll you'll inspire them to one day, you know, want to pursue whatever it is that they want to. And I think from that that level of, of, of self-confidence and passion that you kind of, you know, provide to them at a young age, um, it'll, it, it'll be almost impossible to stop them from being able to achieve those things. And like, again, I think the talent and the passion will be so pervasive that it, it, it can't be ignored. Yeah. 150%. Wow. Well, thank you for all of that. <laughs> I just have to say that. I mean, the, the kids no. are really, it's really important. Yeah. We really, really got to focus on that. You already know where I'm going with this. You remember that Kanye rant? Oh, my God. Listen to the kids, Listen bro. to the kids. I mean, Listen he said it, you know, and I mean, he says it in a interesting way um, yeah, yeah but he said know. it nonetheless like yeah. we, we have to right. listen to the kids like they again they are the future they really are the people that are going to be in control of everything you know moving ahead and so it should be a it should be a huge focus on them already removing this from the situation exactly right? i was gonna right. say like just generally speaking yeah this is kind of where where the the conversation should be headed and i'm glad you said that because i was super frustrated with people being upset about like you know the hype around it mm-hmm. like the people are like well it's just a movie like yo like 
there's not often we all get excited about something mm-hmm. yeah. and especially something that actually has like a like a very clear tangible visible positive impact yeah so maybe just be quiet about this yeah you know what i mean just, like just, just maybe hold that this. we can enjoy that. Yeah. yeah like Give if you get if you want it get mad about amigos albert you know what i mean like don't don't do this now culture too was trash it really uh, was get, 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 let's it get mad about really it. Yeah, let's, oh my god i could do i could talk for like two hours <laughs> and just yeah. talk about how like i do not like that album yeah. i do not yeah. like the trend that but we'll have that we'll have that conversation yeah we can but that's something to get mad about instead of you know such a positive thing that's yeah. happening for, for young children. Like I said, Hasbro made more toys for this movie than any other movie. When a kid goes into Target and he sees, you know, T'Challa or a little girl goes in and sees Shuri or, or Koye, yeah. that, that's important, you know, because Personally, I didn't have that as a kid. Yeah. You weren't finding Static Shock. You, I was just about to say, I remember. You was not seeing no Static Shock, no way. You not seeing that. Then they cut off the show. It was my Saturday morning. They canceled the show. So <laughs> All I know is Booker T was the only black. I think the only black action figure. Yeah, yeah. But, if, you know, if I saw that as a kid, who knows? I might have wanted to write a, a comic book yeah. about a black kid. You know, just those exactly. little things. I mean, they could be really important. 100% representation it is we I, I'm uh, I get so art and tired of the uh, there's so many people who do not believe representation is important which is weird because it's always by a demographic that is heavily represented Absolutely. yeah so it's like I mean you feel like you have the confidence to do something you aren't even qualified to do because Absolutely. you've been seeing yourself do it mm-hmm. since you were born yeah exactly yeah. well okay. we can end it off at that yeah, yeah. Right. I think that's, that's a good, good, good yeah. point I think we do it in the future. We definitely are going to have you again, Jordan. Oh, thank sure. you. We definitely have for more movie music. I will stuff. come around anytime. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to come on and talk about this. And I mean, there's more things coming ahead, I think, that we, sh- we, we can pay attention to from just a movie perspective or even a music perspective. Like, really, really impactful things are coming. And I think, um, you know, this past year in Hollywood has kind of shown that. Um, again, Get Out, Girls Trip, Black Panther, Hidden Figures, Moonlight. That's just what six movies. The six movies. Those are like just the ones um, we can think of off top. Off top. Off top yeah. like, but there's there's a there's lot more. more coming, mm-hmm. and they will be you know as big as as any of those have been prior to to this moment. So I'd be happy to come back anytime and talk about yeah. this. Of course. Until then, let let our listeners know where they can find you. Absolutely. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, JRW the Creator. Um, on all social media. That's that's kind of where I do my. My talking, my posts, it's pretty much all movie. I was gonna say, stuff. make sure you definitely watch the Instagram stories. Yeah, the Instagram yeah. stories are crazy. Yeah, I like to, I like to, you know, kind of keep up on on all the all the news and all the things coming out. So you'll definitely see a lot of uh, comic book, movie, all that sort of content on, on my channels. So. His Instagram story is kind of like better than complex <laughs> it's, it's at least more informed <laughs> well if complex is listening um you know they just throwing pay, that out they there. don't pay folks like that they, I, thank you they probably yeah probably not um <laughs> you can follow me ebony at underrated ebony u-n-r-a-t-e-d-e-b-o-n-y and you can follow me eric at, at my name's e-m-y-n-a-m-e-s-e it's kind of hard for people to get why because it, I, I every single i've never met a person that's immediately caught that it's my name's e <laughs> Everyone's always like, Manopsi? Oh my like, God. Wow. You know, I don't I'm know not, what that means. I'm not going to lie, I actually thought it was Manopsi. Yeah, everyone, I get it. Like, I just, uh, I work on trying to make it more pronounced. That's probably maybe just how you should pronounce it. Manopsi. <laughs> Manopsi. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Nah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs>
<laughs> Lastly, you can follow the podcast, the Bias Podcast, on all social. Well, no, it's just Twitter. We're on, right? Yeah, yeah I don't, we don't need. We it. don't really use Instagram. That's just some other shit. That's just. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bias Podcast, B Y U S Podcast, P O D C S T. Yeah, iTunes, SoundCloud, whole nine. Yeah. All right, guys. Bye. Thanks. What's going on? My prestige and impression is impressive. While the four weapons y'all be flexing, social hella vocal, but not gon' pop for protection. I put my all in this shit. Can't you see the investment? Thank you, God. It's a wrap. I'm really just hoping we can be under mask. I'm really just praying the show's gonna be packed. She coming real soon. I just gotta stay on track. Swear rap.